Creatives with AI Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Creatives with AI Podcast. I'm your host, David, and today we chat with tech luminary Lisa Goodchild, who shares her journey from humble beginnings to becoming a major figure in the tech industry, discussing her experiences in computer science, e-commerce, and her advocacy for women in tech. We cover a lot of topics, including the intersection of retail and technology, the potential impacts of AI on women in the workplace, the role of AI in education, the importance of diversity in tech, and last but not least, the controversial firing of Sam Altman from OpenAI. It's a lot to cover, so let's get started. The Creatives with AI Podcast, the spiritual home of creatives curious about AI and its role in their future. Lisa, how are you doing? I am very well. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So we met earlier this year at an event where we were talking about AI and sort of its impact on all sorts of different businesses. And I really liked, when I met you, I really liked two things in particular. One is your job title. So would you tell everybody what you call yourself at work? I am chief troublemaker. Awesome. In a good way. In a good way though. (laughs) I only make good trouble. I love it. I love it. I thought that was fantastic. And second of all, I know you do a lot of work sort of with young people and and with girls and you're very involved in sort of women in tech and that sort of thing. So that's another reason why I wanted to have you on, because I think it's one of the important things that we need to look at. And I personally, I have a suspicion that AI is going to have an outsized impact, particularly on women in the workplace, because I think a lot of the jobs that women do are the types of jobs that AI is going to be really good at doing as well. So I'd like to dig into that a little bit, but in good podcast form, let's maybe start off if you give everybody a little bit of background about what it is that you do and kind of how you got here. Gosh, it's been an amazing journey. So um, I started off in a very humble council state in southeast London. I think as well, I always had, I was always intrigued by technology. We were the bottom of the council state, so huge poverty, but we had some interesting people around us. So my uncle was only young and he had like, he, he purchased the robotic arms and things like that but we sort of got given them because we didn't really get Christmas presents but we got given this tech and even like the Atari boop 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 you know remember oh, the yeah. tennis yeah we got yeah. given that by him that was like his hand-me-down so um as much as we were you know living in um squalor like literally squalor criminal activity everything we had all these tech these tech elements around us and then I remember being at school and they had an exhibition at the Victoria and Albert Museum and it was the Japanese exhibition and the tech there was phenomenal it was only early days so it wasn't that phenomenal but it was in my head it was brilliant it was like robotics it was but for the time it was amazing Oh, it really was. And it was, it just intrigued me. And I was very, I didn't really go to school because of my um, brilliant childhood. And I spotted this degree. And my friend's mum encouraged me to go to university. So I was lucky to have that. But I didn't have the GCSEs really to get in. Um, I only had a, I've only got an English um, C. So the rest of it, I mean, my maths, I think is an E or D, something like that. Well, no, you know. Anyway, I didn't have the grades to get in. And I, contacted the lecturer at Greenwich University because I just saw this digital course. It was a computer science and I was like, I need to do that. It just looked amazing. I knew that the internet was something big and um, blacked my way on, did a maths and English exam, had an interview, got in there, sat at the front of the class. I was one of the only females. There was a few of us, three, but that was brilliant because, you know, you had a lot of help by a lot of guys. It was, you know, it, it was, it didn't feel there was an indifference actually. I always felt very welcoming. But what was interesting was that first piece of coursework that I got. We, um, I got 92%. So I got the best in the class. And that was a real leveler for me. So it made me believe in myself. But that course was the pinnacle of my career. It really, it gave me the foundations. We did CD-ROM building. We, like, you know, all of the early day stuff. We were building websites. We were building music. We were building databases. You know, we were programming. It was so exciting. Came out, dot-com crash, another exciting period. But it was really interesting because I, because I came from the streets, you know, you just hustle, you get through. So it was a great period of learning. And I started building websites for footballers, estate agents. They were the ones going online back then. And yeah. that was really, really, it was lucrative. That was probably um, a good business, I was about to say, yeah. 
Yeah, it was really good business and a great place again for learning. And I was always, I was quite hard on myself, actually. I never wanted to like, you know, it was the days of stealing code and, you know, ripping whole, uh, there was actually code websites where you could rip loads of code and things. But I always tried to do everything so organically. So I learned so much and even from the failings. And that was brilliant because those early days of website building, you know, they were great days getting excited about a picture and some movement on the screen, a bit of flash, loved old flash. Flash was one of my favorite tools until <laughs> Apple, yeah. Apple came and destroyed it. <laughs> it, really it was, was so insecure though. That was the problem. It was. It was, it was insecure and also they couldn't monetize it, could they? I think that was their, their biggest thing. They couldn't monetize it. But it was, it was brilliant to learn. And then I moved into um, e-commerce. I worked with a guy called Dan Wagner who bought the Boo.com software. And that was interesting times as well. Nobody was going online. E-commerce was new. I love new technologies, as you will see throughout my career. So we were getting Mothercare, Panasonic, all of those amazing brands online. And, you know, it was the times when people were going, oh, nobody's going to buy online. And they can't touch, smell it, feel it. Well, yeah, really, because yeah, we know yeah. we now know that the, the poor high street is slowly disappearing because they're not keeping with creating experiences. I believe that they just need to stick a sofa and a, a cup of coffee there, and they would have people sitting there and chilling and actually purchasing online while they're sitting in their environments. But you know, they're not catching up. Uh, there's a whole top new tip. education piece. Yeah, <laughs> for, top tip for our retail, retail listeners. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you say that and and not uh, not to derail the mm. conversation entirely. Yeah. But what's really interesting is is that the discussions that they're having around electric vehicles are very much the same, which is yeah. because you know the the concept of a petrol station or a gas station is going to entirely change because yeah. now it's a much longer interaction that people have in that place as opposed to showing up Two minutes, you fill up your car, you walk inside, maybe two minutes, you grab a snack and you're out. Now yeah. you've got to go in, you've got to sit down, you've got to wait. You know, even the best chargers in the future are going to take, you know, the most advanced charging, you know, that we've seen or anything that even heard of at this mm. point, it's like 10 or 15 minutes. So there's been a lot of chat behind the scenes about, well, what, what does the new next petrol station look like yes and it's exactly what you said there's going to be places for people to sit down to do work there's going to be coffee shops and places for people to eat and work mainly but socialize and those sorts of things and and i agree with you i think retail has a they really need to look at themselves and see where they go next mm. so i think it's a fantastic yeah. idea i think you're i think yeah. you're spot on and i i would enjoy that yeah box park have yeah. actually done the elements of that and they've really caught on but you know, we all know we do actually like go. It's quite a treat to go to the shops now. So make it even more of a treat. And yeah, it, heightening those experiences. Have a band, you know, we all sit there listening. <laughs> Marks and Spencer's with That'd a bit of band, amazing. a bit of food, you know, some free samples. What sort of band would Marks and Spencer's have? <laughs> oh, I reckon, you know, those little ladies doing a little, you know. <laughs> What is it? Flappers singing. Yeah, that old school. With the Morris cliff dancers as well. I've got the cliff. Yeah, with the yeah, cliff. Yeah, yeah. Morris, Morris dancers. Yeah, yeah. They do. I mean, Marxies are going down the wrong route. For me, as a retail shop, actually, they're getting self-service and all that. And I think they should be going traditional and, you know. Well, you, you've seen the news then recently because a lot of grocery stores are actually taking the self-service tills out. A, yeah. because people hate them. And yeah. B, because there's so much theft like the shrinkage that they're getting from those machines. And it's even from like middle-class people. It's not like yeah. traditionally, I know that sounds bad, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And what they found is, is that, I don't know if you, if they've done it in your area, but even where I live in Tunbridge Wells, Tesco's put these barriers in everywhere. Yeah. So like you can't, you know, you have to walk through a till thing to get out of the shop and they've got security guards everywhere. Yeah. And look, I, I know there's a lot of factors that go into that, right? The economy is terrible at the minute. You know, groceries yeah. are extortionately expensive. We're suffering from shrinkflation. So, you know, the same product that used to be 100 grams is now 90 grams or sometimes 85 grams, but it's the, yeah. it's the same price or more. You know, people are suffering. We're all having a hard time. And, yeah. but but they're still finding that, you know, people are scanning and they're they're able to get away and, and you know, sort of lift stuff through those tills. So yes. I think maybe fingers crossed because I hate them. I absolutely yes, hate them. I hate them. I'd rather just, I just want to talk to someone. And, you know, when I was a kid, that was my job. <laughs> I worked in a grocery store. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> 
I worked in Marks and Spencers. Yeah, there you go. There you go. But but those are the kind of really good entry level jobs for people, right? Yeah. And you know, and and anyway, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. And hopefully, we've we, we've maybe turned the the tide on yes. that a little bit, and but we'll see. Yeah. Well, also, you've imagined the new technology of those stupid systems and how much one of those stupid things costs where you have to put your basket on the scales and you're like, well, what side? And they haven't anyway. So my career in e-commerce has been, it was amazing and it was a really insightful career as well because it was the early days again. And then I got investment off of Dan for a beauty comparison website. It didn't materialise to what I wanted to. So it was, it's an amazing space to have been in all those new that new technology. But then I started spotting trends to so that beauty comparison website. So, you know, pre-Rihanna really with also our different skin colours. You know, we weren't talking about that in the beauty industry, which is a travesty. And as we've all seen now, it's a massive trend. So we had this brilliant idea. We took it to Dan. Dan invested. We created two shopping portals, 11 blogs, and it all went a bit, you know, pear-shaped in terms of what I was getting told was what we were materialising. And at that time, I thought, you know what? This is not going the route I want. I'm going to go down a different route. I could see social media was just amazing. It was this community we were going into Hyde Park and doing tweet-ups and it was exciting. And um, I thought, I'm going to set up my own social media agency. So I've had my social media consultancy for about 15 years now. It's been an exciting um, experience because I get to experience everything in terms of tech. You know, the creativity, the development, the touch points, the social media is the internet and it's a, it's a bit like as we're going to go on to the discussion about AI you know it was these early days no one was talking about it actually it was so loose and even now it's quite a travesty um, that our governments did not gain control and I don't believe in control but with social media there's an element of you know the pornography the crap that goes online amongst you know when you're looking at your stories I'm a woman they're definitely targeting the wrong demographic I'm definitely not going to click on it but it's awful and it's just you know the control we know that comes with social media and I don't mind that but it's the giving back as well I don't see the social media um, companies giving back enough and I do believe yeah. they need to yeah 100 yeah. percent. and I yeah. think ironically and this is you know obviously one of the things we'll probably we'll, we could get into now even but yeah I think you know the the whole thing sudden popularity of AI and the new AI tools like your chat GPTs and those sorts of things. I think, and I've said this a few times on the podcast before, but I, I still believe that that's actually, I think going to erode the power and the popularity of social media because the fun bit of social media were the crazy people and that you knew that there was actually a crazy person or someone funny or someone really insightful on the other end of that. And in the beginning, it really was. And, you know, Twitter, when Twitter first came out and even Facebook, when Facebook came out, I mean, Facebook, when Facebook originally came out, it was really hard to get on. You had to have a, a an email yeah. address at a university <laughs> or a yeah. school to be able to get on. And then you had to have an invite from there. I mean, I, my very original Facebook account, I got like a super secret invite from someone and it was amazing yeah. and everybody was excited. But that was before you know, sort of scammers got involved and then business got involved and it turned into yes. this massive business, which it has it, to business. do. Yeah. It was business that ruined it because it yeah. made us, oh, and it, like you say, it had to do it. To it, make it has to do it because that's, uh, unless you pay for it. Mm. So, you know, I, I understand the struggle, but it's now, it's like comical it's so bad at yes. the minute. And, you know, even yes. on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it, oh. I, I think it's hilarious that he's rebranded to X and everybody just calls it Twitter anyway. <laughs> I, I think eventually he'll just change it back, but we'll see what happens. But it's just, yeah, it's 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 like you can't, you're not going to be able to believe anything that you see yes. with all of the stuff like Eleven Labs and all the sound stuff where you can do voices. We could do amazing things with voice technology and AI and everything. I mean, I can get the entire show translated. Yeah. The the one that's out just the that's going to come out the week before you, so next week. Yeah. I talked to a lady who's a journalist in Poland, and she's been a journalist for like you know fifteen years or whatever. And I was talking to her about well, let's translate all the clips into yeah. Polish, and I can literally take our interview. I can take the video, take a clip yeah. out. I can load it into a tool called Hey Jen, if anybody's asking and, and I don't get anything from it, 
put I'll put a link in anyway. But if you put it in Hajin and yes. say I want to go from English to Polish, it will yeah. translate the sound in the voices wow. yeah. of the people talking. Yeah. And it will redo the mouth shape so that it looks like you're saying the word in Polish. I was reading that yesterday. I was reading it. And the thing is as well, that's when it starts getting exciting for young people. You know, that's when that communication element, uh, magical stuff can happen, can't it? That yeah. We haven't got barriers like us. <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, for people who are older, like who grew up before computers are at the very, you know, yeah. you were at, obviously you were at the kind of cutting edge of, of yeah. computers when they came out. I mean, I was, my high school was the first school that had computers in Memphis where, you know, when I was growing up yeah. and, you know, we used to write little basic programs in, in the basic language yeah. and yeah. stuff when we were studying computers. So we saw the development of that happening. Kids now. I mean, literally, they can create a TikTok video. They can translate that video into 20 different languages and then put it out. And they can start to pick up followers in other countries no. and do stuff in that language. And it's not prohibitively expensive, particularly if they're short clips. And then if they can translate that into something that actually makes you know them a little bit of money, all of a sudden now that you know that activity pays for them to do that, yeah. and then they're off. Yeah. We could never do that. No, we'll also would need 10 people to do that, wouldn't we? We'd need yeah. the equipment. Yeah. You know, I mean, we all remember the 32 megabyte computers that we used to sit there and pray at and go, please don't crash. <laughs> you know, the, t the cassette tapes. Yeah, yeah, the cassette. Exactly. You would actually need a lorry, a few humans, a translating human. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. All of those different roles. And as we know, yeah. AI is uh, evolving and going to take some of those, evolve, help those. Those roles you know they're going to support some of those roles as well um, and we're going to talk about that more senior level in a minute but yeah um, mm. from working in the digital space and based on my background that's where I got really passionate about helping young people understand the powers of technology because I believe it gave me a route out of poverty massively you know I wouldn't have had that route and I want young people to be provided with the tools they need. And, you know, our charity is four years old now. We wrote a book on artificial intelligence five years ago. And we know that, you know, artificial intelligence has been around from the 1950s. It's in the press now, you know, as a popular subject. But we know it's been um, plugging away, churning away, um, teaching itself, learning new, um, new modes all the time, all through these years. Um, I think it's exciting for young people, but I do think our schools have no idea what's coming. I mean, even they, they have no idea. I mean, even social media, they haven't even got to grips with that necessarily. They haven't even, they're not even putting the things in place to educate young people about their digital footprint. When you and I know that footprint is so important now, you know, give, explaining to young people that you wouldn't give away your house keys to someone on the street. So why would you give away your password it's it's getting them to understand and that's where I think the dangers are and the acceleration of the technology is so fast our schools have no idea about the digital 10 years ago so how are they going to cope with what's coming <laughs> that's my no I agree mm. but I also think on the flip side of that yeah. there are a lot of educators in particular yes. who are who are really using the technology and it's I mean, I've had a couple of educators on from sort of the, at the very high university level yeah. education, kind of Cambridge and that sort of thing, talking about it from a university perspective. But I've also had on or I'm, I've had some conversations with people even at like primary school level. Yes. And the stuff that they're doing. Yeah. And there's a guy named Byron who I'm hoping to have on the podcast yeah. soon. And he's a, an assistant head teacher at a primary, just a normal primary school in the UK. Yeah. And he's doing amazing stuff. So he uses ChatGPT to help him write better lesson plans Brilliant. and to help him develop additional information that he then puts into 11 labs and has 11 labs do a voiceover to it. And he makes it into like this AI podcast yeah. that he then shares the links to the kids yeah. with the kids. Yeah. And then he said they love it. Cause it's like a totally different thing. And it's like, yeah. you know, they can kind of hear their teacher on this thing. That's like a podcast because they all know what podcasts are, yeah. even though they're like 10 years old. And he's like, it's amazing. And so the kids are really engaging with education in a different kind of way. And I think there are some, some educators that are really 
pushing the boundary and trying yeah. to say, okay, how can we really use this to support it? I know there's other students who are using it to help them do better on their GCSEs and their A-level exams because they can practice their answers and they can get the AI to grade their responses, which is amazing. And the teachers love it because the teachers have been double checking it just to make sure. And they're like, the stuff that it comes out with is great. And it means we don't have to spend so much time trying to grade mock exams and stuff. We can literally set the kids off on using the tools and they can just practice over and over and over again. So... Well, that, that, those tools are brilliant. But what my yeah. concern is, as you mentioned, that's a lecturer at Cambridge or Oxford, and it's the it's the digital divide. So we all know that this digital divide's getting bigger and bigger, and that is where my concern is. So you've got brilliant teachers yeah. doing stuff, but few and far between. You know, they're the real magic makers. They're the ones really pushing the boundaries. But it's not getting sifted through. It's not getting passed around. And I know a lot of the private schools, you know, they're lucky enough to have the resources and um, maybe even the parents, you know, because when you're in, say, um, an inner London school who's connected to a council state, the job roles within that within that uh, community are low-level job roles. And they're really, really, you know, they're tough and they, they have no idea about technology. But what's yeah. really like you say, like you're saying as well, what's interesting about our young people, actually, they are they're born into technology. They're not like us. They do know how to use it, but it's guiding them into understanding the power of it and how to use it in the right way. That digital footprint and being able my thing is helping young people to understand we are forever learning and do not ever wait for a school to teach you to learn because they haven't got the equipment. They're caught yeah. up with numbers. They cannot help you know in terms of young people with neurodiversity they just can't meet those needs whereas we know that artificial intelligence go it's going to really help with that it's going to really help a young person that may be dyslexic and start understanding okay so they're dyslexic but they're magical in a different place right let's start getting them building up that skill whereas we've been going okay here's a you need to be smart on this level and we all know it's so it's ridiculous how can we how can we think that somebody's intelligent based on their accent? I mean, Boris Johnson, you know, yeah, because know. he's posh. It's, it's, it's on a different level. But And I hope that our AI tools will not have that element of them. They will understand through assessments, through different ways of testing people, not just by looking at them from face value and listening to a voice and going, well, they're stupid based on an accent because they come from Birmingham. When we know that actually four of the most amazing entrepreneurs that, you know, Jim Box and all of it, they're actually all from Birmingham, from that school that, you know, the traditional model 15 years ago would go, that that kid's a bit of a troublemaker and they're not, you know, they're not going to make it um, where, where they've got yeah. to be entrepreneurs. I think there's a Another subtle thing as well that goes along with that, which is I think for a long time, there's been this idea that you must go to university. And if you don't go to university, you're stupid. Yeah. And it's a failure. It's always bothered me. But, you know, I I come from the South. I'm from Memphis. I'm in sort of that's deep South in America. Yeah. You know, people have always thought that we were stupid because we talk slow and whatever, which was great because when people came from the north, we'd, you know, they'd get in and they'd all be in a hurry and they'd want to do everything. So we just let them do it, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, which was fine. But I think it, it and it's and it's devalued the trades and yeah. things like that, which, again, I think in, in pulling this slightly back around to AI and some yeah. of the things is, you know, nothing's ever come for the smart people. So. I think what we're going to see is we're going to see a resurgence in the trades because yes. people aren't going to university as much anymore. They can't afford it. Yeah. It's so expensive to go. Yeah. And unless you really want to do a job where you have to have the knowledge that you get at university, you know, if you want to be an engineer or you want to be a doctor or you want to be, you know, there are some specific skills where you really need that higher level of education. Yeah. But nine out of 10 jobs don't require that. 
Yeah. Well, actually, the 1970s and 1980s, only 5% of the UK population were attending university. That's now 50%. We've made it into, you know, and also it was the, the privileged few. Now, the debt yeah. that our, our young people are coming out with, £90,000 debt. That is yeah. a ridiculous statement. That's ridiculous because also what AI is enabling us to do, that education element of learning, even just to give you, you know, using ChatGPT to give you ideas, to give you structure to help you understand flow you know I remember when I wrote my first my first essay back at college and I didn't I didn't know structure I didn't know anything I wrote yeah. in the wrong bloody yeah. um, tense it was all <laughs> over the place but if I had had ChatGPT as a kid from the council estate with no adults around me that could help me I've got my friends to go Oh, you know, I, I've got Dottie to say, help, fire over a question, yeah, help me with yeah. that flow. So it's a real, it's, it's, and that's what's so magical is getting young people to not wait for school. Do not wait for school. Wait, you, we, and also when I'm 80, 90, which I hope that I live to that age, um, pretty health and you know healthy because yeah i've already said to my daughter what to do if i don't get pretty healthy with my body (laughs) (laughs) the edge she was like mum seriously (laughs) you know um i will always be learning i've always said i will never retire because i really no you can't i no it's brain um and that's you know it's like ai ai is forever learning that's what human beings need to do and i'm excited for our young people as long as they've got the skills to understand that is for them to step forward to understand what their passion is and to teach themselves which is not what we've enabled schools to do and we know that the school system was set up for a particular reason the school system was set up to shove people into a factory and do the nine to five and those days are gone and you know i wouldn't actually advise we as a charity as a um, digi learning we actually advise our young people to look at different routes to look at um, degree apprenticeships, to look at apprenticeships, because you yeah. and I know, I wish that every single room in the world, uh, com- and we know there's enough old computers hanging around in dumps, shove them in the school and let the kids play with the wires and a couple of chips. You know, we need to understand yeah. that the computer is completely relatable to the human body form. That's where artificial intelligence came from. All of these things are born from humans, from being human. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great point. And so tell me a little bit more about the charity, like specifically, what is it that you're doing? Yeah. So we work with young people and we're teaching them three key core levels. So first is personal development, so understanding what they want in life, teaching them about their digital footprint, that financial footprint. They don't realize that there's credit scoring. They don't understand that there's interest rates on credit cards, all the essential things that we need to know. So that's that holistic, that first piece, personal development. You might not have adults around you to tell you those, to guide you through. So we're that piece. Then we have level two, which is all about business. So we have companies like TikTok come in and talk about how they actually make money. You know, these young people, they, they play on TikTok but they don't understand the mechanics that go on behind TikTok. They don't understand using AI for everything within TikTok and understanding those streams and how they're using them for the algorithms and how that, and actually, you know, when you do see a picture, it is to make money. It is, you know, let's get to grip. I go into primary schools and go, social media is to make money. Let's not get away from it being community and let's share. You know, there's those elements. That was the organic, real purity of the original element but i'm afraid yeah we all know that the way the way the world works is money but yeah so we're working with those young people with that middle piece to understand industries the financial times will come in and talk about publishing and how that's evolved as well into the digital format and then our last level is about jobs and business so if they want to set up a, uh, a t- to set up a business we will help them or they a lot of young people have side hustles so it's just helping them realize how powerful those side hustles are And that if you are from a really, really tough background to understand that adversity creates and builds um, these amazing skills that pushes you forward. And if you can use those skills from adversity and from those difficult challenges that all of us go through, even the very privileged 
go through adversity and you can use those skills for your career and to build that career so you know we um, work with lots of organizations who provide us with jobs and then we have our experiences so I'm a believer that young people need to be part of experiences so we met at the um, AI event that we attended fearless and our young people attended as well so the amazing ladies at fearless are also part of a group that i founded with another six phenomenal females called digital leading ladies and what's brilliant about that group is we all we've actually i'm setting up the ai division actually which is dll yeah we've got dll pets we've got dll gaming so we're looking at that but um what's brilliant is that network for our young people as well into connecting them to the new technologies creating those experiences, providing tickets. We had Digital Lean Ladies Lunch this week. Our young people got to attend that lunch and talk to fellow, you know, females, although we do love men, obviously. We need allyship. and We know a lot of men are out there supporting us as well. Yeah. We've got a terrible problem of women not going into tech, which is a big travesty. So, yeah, that whole thing of experiences and meeting that one person that changes your life, that one person that intrigues you, that one person that gives you that piece of information, like you and I meeting. You know, David, you're never yeah. going to get yeah. me. We're going to be friends forever <laughs> <laughs> from that one event. <laughs> no, 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 that's good. Yeah. That's good. I really like what you're doing. I like the energy that you bring to, to all of this. The digital leading ladies thing, is that the thing that Victoria's involved in yes. as well? Yes, so Victoria Usher is a very dear friend and actually yeah. her PR our company supports our charity um yep. but yes she is one of my um founding ladies alongside myself and she's very nice. passionate as well uh, you know she about is, AI yeah. um, and technology yep. advancements because we need to ensure that everyone rises together shout out to vic i think she's episode three on the podcast so she was one of my very early believers in the show so she was very kind to uh you know, to, to share some time with us. I'll put a link in the show notes back to that again, just yeah. to, to go back. I should catch up with her again, though. It's, it's, it's been quite a while now, and I think things have moved on a lot. Yes. We should probably touch on that at some point, so don't let me forget, but all of the goings-on that have happened over the past week, this is the, for everybody listening. I don't know when you'll listen to this, but this is the, the Friday after Sam Altman was fired from OpenAI last week and is now back in charge. Oh, I love so, it. <laughs> a, lot's, a lot's happened in a week. And I decided as a intentionally to just to, to not comment. Mm. I shared a couple of articles on LinkedIn that I thought were, were very well thought through yeah. at the time, but I, I just didn't put any comment because I just wanted to kind of see what was how, you know, what would happen. And I knew that, that we would, that a lot of things would change. And they have. Mm. So uh, we, we would be remiss if we don't spend five or 10 minutes on that at some point. But I, I don't want to lose our thread that we were talking about a second ago. When you were talking about women, you know, and, and particularly the women in business and then looking at AI and everything else. Yeah. One of the, obviously, this is the creatives with AI podcasts. And I, but I talked to a load of different people about all sorts of different industries. So what I'm actually setting up now is I'm going to set, set up the I'm calling it with AI FM. And what I'll do is I'll have different channels for different specialist topics and women with AI will be one of those channels. So I definitely want to follow up with you on that because I think there's a there's a whole there's a whole podcast specifically around women and tech and AI and yeah. the advantages and the disadvantages that that brings. And I think, you know, I was at a a fringe event with the AI summit that was in the UK. I went to the women's yeah. women with AI fringe event. So I was the only, the only guy there. Yeah. And I've said, I felt like quite a usurper in the group, but it was amazing. And there were women there who were founders of businesses that use AI. There were data analysts, there were, you know, data engineers, there were software engineers, there, mm. you know, women, women who are working in the field. Yeah. And, you know, it was sponsored by a, a VC yeah. who specializes or, or really has a, a an interest in in funding, you know, women founded and women run businesses as well. So I want to try and pull all that stuff together and see if I can find a great host because I am I shouldn't be the one to host that. Yeah. I want to find a great woman who can host the podcast and then I'll help produce it and, and get it out and that sort of thing. But that's sort of my idea is to do a couple of different verticals. So I've got 
a sort of a marketing or marketers with AI through yeah. Nanio and some of the other stuff that we're doing. And I've got sort of, you know, some ideas about how to set up those various channels and then we'll have that. So, yeah, well, maybe we could do a young person one as well, because I think that Gen Z, you know, yeah. we, we, we do a lot. Of, everyone does a lot of talking about Gen Z and they don't actually yeah. get part of the discussion. And they're so you know, I get to work with them all the time. They're so intriguing. Mm. They come up with great ideas. But yeah, in terms of women as well, the passion I've got, obviously, because I just think it's a travesty. I mean, yeah. in terms of investment, it's VC investment has gone down to 2%. It was 3%. Yeah. Actually, there was a stat. What was the stat? So a strong culture increases net income by 765% over 10 years. Yeah. A strong so having, culture. What does that mean? So it means having women in the mix. It means having right. diversity in the mix. Yeah. To increase a business by that much. Yeah. Percent. And we all know the stats around women founders. I mean, yeah, yeah. is a, the, one of the biggest. But also, we 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 need women to realise their power. We need women to get passionate about tech. When you walk into a toy shop, uh, you still see the same old, you know, the Nerf guns, the, the maids in engineering, um, Meccano and all of that in the boys section, in the girls section. It's it's dolls, which, you, you know, I love my daughters, but we do. My, my husband loves my daughters as well. And he wouldn't have minded, you know, it, it, I just we've, we yeah. create this at the, the childhood element. I was lucky that I had a brother. I was lucky I had a dad that would be he's a mechanic. So, you know, it was shoved by the cars with a little with a load of oil. I do love a bit of glam, but I am, you know, I'll sand down a door and I'll paint a door in a second. And I think that's yeah. it as well. It's that whole Elon Musk, which is, you know, so I think he's his name is becoming a swear word now. It's really <laughs> anyway, but his whole thing about putting an engine in, um, he's got a school, his own school, because he, he didn't agree with the education system, yep. putting an engine in there and letting kids play with it. That's the, the purity and the realness. But that's what needs to happen with women. You know, we've been yep. swayed away from getting day. Oh, no, she's got to look pretty. No, no, no. We need to get gritty and also... It's what tech does for women in terms of, you know, yeah. having the best of both worlds. They say that you can have that, but you, you need balance. You know, you need, um, I'm lucky I've got a great partner who um, knows what I'm like and knows that I, I go off for a week to New York to go to a tech event and he's completely acceptable for that. But um, yeah. a lot of women don't have that and and men as well. You know, there is a, a balance of both, but we, we yeah. have to empower women because when people grow up in adversity or we know that women have, lots of things they have to deal with they come up with the different ideas and that's what life's about it's about having different ideas in the room it's not about them yeah. just rubbish having a single view that's all from the same background no you're absolutely right and i think a couple of things came to mind mm. one is is that sanding down the door and looking pretty don't have to be mutually exclusive yeah exactly right like like <laughs> anyone can can do both, right? Like, okay, yeah, maybe your fingernails won't be perfect or whatever, but yeah. do you know what I mean? I think we have, as a yeah. society, we have this image and it and it works equally for men as well, yes. right? Like Tons if you're a car it. mechanic that, you know, that, that you're going to fit into and it doesn't mean you yeah. can't clean up and, and go to or a being nice being a nurse, bed. being a nurse, or, they used to or, get. Or whatever, yeah. yeah. It, and I think, I think we're getting past that. Yes. I mean, I, I have daughters that are in their 30s now. Yeah. But, and I wasn't around a lot when they were raised. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I didn't have as much sort of influence as I would like, but certainly if I had daughters now, yeah, they would hundred percent, you know, when they were about five or six years old, they'd be in jujitsu classes. Yeah. You know, they'd be doing some physical activity. I would encourage them into sport. Yeah. I would encourage them to do all those sorts of things because I think everybody should do that. Yeah. I encourage my son to do it as well. Yeah. But my son also knows how to sew. Yeah. And my son also knows how to cook. Yeah. Like my son sews, he sews better than anyone in the house. Yeah. But again, they taught him that at school. Yes. Which I thought was amazing because in the in the UK, like in the US, you would never, ever get that anymore. Yeah. But the school that we sent him to in Tunbridge Wells, shout out to St. Greg's, yeah. you know, they, they have a, a wood shop wow. and they still teach kids like shop classes. Brilliant. And so- you know, you learn how to build things, even if it's only for a few classes, but they get them in there and they have them build something. They have cooking classes, so they know how to make basic things. Yeah. They know how to use a stove and how to boil water yeah. and how to like make scrambled eggs. Yeah. Like 
And I think that's the kind of stuff that we need to get back to that we used to teach people. Totally. And yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think you're right. I think there's a young people's, you know, sort of podcast. I think there's also an education. Ooh. I have a few people that I've been talking to where I might be able to have that one up and running, hopefully. So I'm aiming to to kind of get all this stuff lined up this year and then early next year to launch a few of the channels. And then we'll just have different channels that'll that'll kind of run on specific topics. And I think that might be a really good way to to move forward. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant idea and definitely the way to move forward, and especially for all people, you know, podcasts are so easy to tune into yeah, and multi exactly in the world yeah. we live in today. So Sam Altman. Mm. Oh my God, what has happened? What's yeah. your opinion? Because, because you know, you've, you're a businesswoman in your own right. So you, you kind of know how these things work. You've been in business for quite a long time. Yeah. I have my own thoughts about what's been going on there. Yeah. But I'm curious to know what you think. I mean, how much you know about it, A, and then B, what you think might be happening. Well, I've been reading bits on it. I've been trying to sort of stay away from it. I, it always intrigues me because the, the stories, I watched the Rim film recently, you know, Blackberry, um, on the plane on the way to um, New York. Oh, yeah. And it just intrigued me. And it, uh, it took me back to the Steve Jobs days as well. And these brilliant, brilliant, and you see it consistently with big companies and big corporations, you know, sorry, Microsoft, you bought Skype and what happened you know like there's terrible and we we saw it with is it bebo you know there's all of these technologies that we know that these big corps went oh i can do this and i think that's what's happened at the top of there they've got the people that think they know it the board and this happens consistently with boards and the boards are usually not diverse in terms of every which way in terms of gender in terms of um socioeconomic that it's so they're not getting views so it's normally you know i'm a, and i love white men my daddy's one and so is my brother but you know it's a group of older white men that make a decision and go we know what we're talking about and i think there's they needed to listen to him. They obviously didn't. And what I love is that the whole company rebelled and went, well, we're going. And I, I just, that's the movement that I want to see our young people do into governments. That's the movement I want to see the world, you know, going, well, we're not going to have it. We're going to sit here. You know, women's gender, the women's gender gap, for instance, we should just sit down, just sit down and go, we're not going to work today. You know, it's... Well, that's what they did in Iceland, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, and it worked. <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. The other thing that was interesting about the the OpenAI board is that there were a couple of women on the board, yeah, and they were ones that have left, yeah, as well. And I know it had a really unique structure because the whole point was to have this sort of a board that was completely uninvolved, and it was a nonprofit, and there was this quite, you know, the, the, it was set up in a way, yeah, to to be able to work, ironically, the way that it did, yeah, and if they didn't like what. Sam was doing and the company was doing, then they could get rid of him. And then they got rid of him. Yeah. And then the whole thing completely fell apart. Yeah. Because, yeah, I think in the end, more than 700 of the 770 employees said, we will resign if the board doesn't resign yeah. and get Sam back. Yeah. And I mean, that type of loyalty oh. as well is incredible. Yeah. Well, actually, so, it's, it, that is a whole thing about Gen Z and feeling belonging and feeling. And he obviously is a great leader. And people, we've gone to the old days of this corporate nine to five. We're sitting there yeah. doing work, turning it yeah. out. It's just, and a great leaders make their employees feel amazing. Why are we making it? School should not be crap and nor should work. Because these are things that we mundanely do daily for such a huge amount of our life. So we have to make them fun. It shouldn't be crap. And he's, I, he, I would love to, I'd love to be a fly on the wall to see his leadership skills. Because he must be great to have the, yeah. that following. Yeah, I agree. Mm. I mean, I've I've met him. I met him when he was in London, yeah. but I was there with, you know, yeah. 700 other people. It wasn't like I sat down and had a coffee with him or anything. So I don't know him as a person, Yeah. but I didn't get particularly, you know, sort of warm and fuzzy vibes from him. And I didn't, you know, he wasn't particularly engaging when he spoke, yeah. but again, you know, it was the I think it was the environment that we were in and the yes. event that we were at. It was, you know, it was very much a fireside chat with kind of predetermined questions and whatever. But yeah, it's 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 been amazing and stuff keeps just coming out and coming out and yeah. more stuff is trickling out over time. But it just feels like it was a 
I mean, I saw it about the second day, and I said, I just looked at my wife and I said, this is nothing more than a pure old-fashioned power play. Yes. That there's a couple of people in the company who feel slighted that he's getting all the attention and they wanted him out. So what they did is they got a few of the other board members on their side. They did a bit of politicking behind the scenes and then literally said, let's have this emergency vote. They didn't tell any of the investors. Nobody knew. It was all very clandestine when it happened. And then the investors freaked out. The employees freaked out. And they completely misread the room. Yeah. And, you know, who knows? Now, over time, there's more stuff coming out. So now I saw a story just last night talking Mm -hmm. about where they think that that they've made a huge step forward in some of the the AI in the background. Yeah. Whether that means they've got an actual AGI that's running. Yeah. I suspect they have something that's, if it's not, that it's very near to that. Mm. And I suspect that because the engineers, allegedly some engineers wrote to the board and said, we're really worried because we've got this new thing that's running and working and we're very concerned. And I suspect that Sam probably went, nah, 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 it's not anything to worry about. Yeah. And that's where they, they started going, well, we can't trust Sam because the engineers yeah. are saying one thing or who knows. Yes. All I know is that this is going to be studied to death in business schools for the next hundred years. <laughs> um, if there are business schools in a hundred years, but yeah. it will... I mean, this will be a massive case study to look at, you know. Yeah. As, well, I think as you're right, actually. There are, there's a lot of egos that go on and it's normally the ball that causes. <laughs> Whenever I've yeah. worked in many companies or with, you know, got investment myself or friends who have got investment or friends that worked for companies that are getting investment, it's always the board who, you know, are usually the most out of touch, don't understand yeah. what's really going on. Yeah. That cause a lot of the problems. Yeah. Maybe we can use this also to review because there's been so much chatter on LinkedIn about what's a board yes. and what's the board there to do. Yeah, and I th- I think the the employees revolting and essentially saying to the board, "You have to go or we're leaving." Yeah, also sent probably a huge message and a lot of other board members at other companies maybe slightly yeah. worried now. And, and they're going to have to think about what their role is. Yeah. And I don't think that's a bad thing Not because I do think right. boards should be more involved. Yeah. Yes, I understand you need, sometimes you need people outside the company and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the, the boards are there for the company and for the employees and to make sure that that, you know, goes well. And I think that they would do, boards all over would do well to remember that. Yeah. Um, well, also speaking to the employees, David, did anyone go yeah. and speak to the employees? It was something. I don't think so. To Pete Mackey over at Boots, he's the CMO. He's a brilliant, absolute top dude. And I was saying to him, the travesty about, you know, the front, like we're talking about retail, that front of service, they are so yeah. important and vital. You know, yeah. they hardly get spoken to. They're, the, yeah, they're yeah. forward facing, they're talking to your customers. They are your exactly. company. And did anyone in that organization go? and talk to you know actually have a conversation and this is the problem the boards are normally you know individuals that have got out of touch have got put on a pedestal oh people have walked around going yes you're amazing you're so amazing you're so you know they're great people but there is an out of touch element you know when they need to get on the ground they need to serve people on the tills they need to exactly exactly okay what else did we what else should we cover well we was looking at (laughs) I think there was one thing that you mentioned that we were going to come back to, which yeah. was something about senior leaders or something. Yeah. See, well, senior leaders, yes. And those, you know, what the jobs are evolving into now. So I think what we will end up with, uh, like artificial intelligence, um, people understanding that that still needs to be developed and that still needs to be monitored and overseen and, you know, the the gaps filled and, you know, that filler and that sanding down and that making sure that the finesse is there. And I think that's where those senior levels are going to go. There will be the people that are going, oh, we need to keep an eye on this. But I also, it is, we know the money talks and that's where my concern is, is similar to healthcare. You know, I'm a believer that all healthcare should be free because there shouldn't be a person in the world who has cancer and is scared to go into the doctors to get treatment. That's just not, 
it just doesn't sit with me morally. If we are going to fund anything as a democratic society paying taxes, it, it should be that. And, you know, with AI, what are we doing? We, we must make sure that the, the funding's there, the right people are there and the right people in the right way as well. So it can't just be all tech people like that diversity of... Yeah. Um, so those people who are overseeing it need to be those connectors and overseers. But yeah, we're going to need a lot of them. We're going to need a lot of the policymakers. We that, that there is none of that. I mean, Biden's just introduced some form of policy, hasn't he? But they do they really get it? I remember when, remember when Facebook had that whole Cambridge Analytica, you know, and they were in Congress and they were like, "Oh, my daughter's on Facebook." And they need the experts as well. They need the experts, but then they also need the experts in the teaching element. They also need, you know, to come together to be able to oversee and to put these policies in place to make sure. But we do need those people at that top level that are going to be um, the overseers because this stuff does need to be overseen. As we've seen with the social media, it gets out of hand and it is a free-for-all. It's a a cowboy nation, you know. Yeah, and and it's already getting out of hand and it will get more out yeah. of hand. I mean, this was the flip side that we we started to go down way back at the beginning when we were talking about social media mm. and how social media is going to change. And that was, you know, yes, there are huge advantages that we have to this, but there's also the, all the potential downsides and we need to be really careful. I think the Keir Starmer tapes that came out yeah. that, you know, I don't know if you heard that, yeah. but, you know, this supposedly secret recordings of him swearing at his staff and stuff yes. that were pretty much resoundingly decided that that was fake. Yeah. So somebody tried it on, yeah. but they didn't try it on very well. And so, you know, everybody was able to sort of uncover that that wasn't real. But I think this election will be the last election in the UK and the US that will believe will be able to believe anything. Yeah. I think moving forward, it's going to be a real challenge and, and we need to figure out how we're going to try and navigate that so that that's going to be that's going to be crucial so give everybody give a shout out to your charity tell everybody where to go if they want to support you what they can do that sort of thing so so let it let everybody know where to go so we are digilearning it's digilearning.co.uk we're on linkedin digilearning we're on instagram digilearning hq and on tiktok (laughs) we need support for our young people so we need mentors we need masterclasses. we want our young people to be at the pinnacle of tech we want them to understand what's going on we want organizations to be desperate to get our young people like the football space so the football space has always been you know it's it's evolved over many years but they start off in primary school even nursery you know you're kicking a ball you're learning and then we have have um, coaches that coach them all the way through to adulthood and spotting that talent and helping them develop certain elements of talent and I think that's what we need to be doing with technology and that's why we are so passionate at DigiLearning is making sure our young people understand how important artificial intelligence is but also understand how to create artificial intelligence because when you're making it when you're creating it's the same as when you bake a cake you know or that whole example of you know going to university and learning to ride a bike from a board you're just not going to learn you know it's doing it's application so our young people is getting them to do that and apply and obviously we always need funding and we've got some great companies like channel factory who are you know they they um, have ad tech in for youtube they are phenomenal and support us but we need more we need more people but we need also it's the it's the it's the skills it's you know if you've got a skill um that you can share with our young people then please do get in touch because as i said like these young people are from underrepresented communities we need to close this divide we can't have this divide and also we're losing the greatest minds you know when you think of the music industry as well like the Stormses or the football industry like Marcus Rashford they could still be on the council estate they could still be you know gangbanging well they didn't they were lucky to have got out of that and that's what we are so passionate about is getting these young people because they're the ones that will think different as well if you grow up on a council estate you've got nothing you understand how to hustle and how to create something and you channel that into things like artificial intelligence we will create the best the best builders the best makers the best you know the futures the future people love it where do you where are you operating at the minute 
So we are international. So we predominantly have our, we do lots of face-to-face in the UK, but we are international. So our two programs, Girl Rise and DigiRise, um, are online. So 70% are from the UK predominantly and 30% are from the rest of the world. So a brilliant example is one of our poster boys, Brandon Louis, was a data analyst in Barbados, couldn't get a job. He was studying at university, didn't really want to do it anymore. He came and joined us for DigiRise four years ago. He got a job through an amazing lady called Shirley Smith, who presented him with a role, who was his mentor. He's worked at that ad tech company, 59A, for four years now. He also invited three of his girlfriends from Trini to Trinidad and Tobago to join our GirlRise program. They are all into data and they're at um, 59A as well. And they were the awesome. pinnacle of creating the foundations of that organization. Their competitor just sold for a lot of money. And my young people, uh, we're hoping they get equity and they become very, very wealthy from working with a phenomenal company who thinks outside the box, who realizes as well that they can employ people in different places and they're paying them a London wage, but getting yeah. that, that, those people that think different, again, that diversity yeah. of thought is really important. Amazing. And I have, you may have noticed me sort of looking off the screen there for a little bit. I I have a contact who runs a program and you probably know him already. And I've completely blanked on his name and I can't remember it. So (laughs) I will, I will make a mention of it in the show notes, but, and I've mentioned it before, but I met him on a train randomly, but anyway, but he runs a program where he takes kids who've sort of been kicked out of school, that sort of thing. He takes them in and he gets them in a big group and he has them work on tech projects together to develop like programs and tools and things. But what he does is is he's like, these kids don't want to sit down and do like normal programming training and whatever. He's like, we show them how to go and download some pre-written code to edit it a little bit or to buy a template, then go in and just edit the template to do the little things that you need to do. You know, we don't, you don't need to know how binary works. You just need to know how to get in and tweak this thing. And the way he funds it is he does training for large organizations and part of the money that the companies pay, he uses to fund the education bit that he works with. And I cannot remember his name for the life of me. So well, I need to meet him because he sounds. I'm sure you know him already. If I said his name, I bet you'd know who he was. I want to say he's like a CBE or an OBE or something oh, as well. Yeah. So anyway, I'll, I'll send that through. And I know this is super frustrating for all the people listening, but I will put something in the show notes around it. And awesome. That's, that's amazing. So hopefully some people will come and help. I will pick up and follow up with you again on sort of on the podcast idea because I think there's a way that we can do something around that. Yeah, well, that. also next year, Girl Rise is all around artificial intelligence. So getting awesome. them, you're getting them to understand why they should use the tools, getting them to create the tools, getting them to understand what to use them within their, you know, when in their working life or just going yeah, yeah. a job and understanding how people are going to use those tools to assess them, so... Awesome. Cool. A couple of quick questions right before we go. Yeah. In your mind, is AI male or female? I think they're just human because they cre- it was created by humans. So, yeah. It human. was. Human. If you want it to be a human. girl or boy, it's up to you, your preference. But I think human. Well, that's, yeah. Obviously, that's... because they can multitask and do such amazing stuff, you know, it's got to be a woman, but I'm not going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I've found from asking hundreds, I've asked hundreds of people this question now. And the core theme seems to be that because it's always been presented with a female voice, that most people tend to think of it as female. Mm. But that's mainly because it's been driven by sci-fi movies and stuff like that and films. And the AI that you've usually seen in films like 2001, the AI is male and it's evil. (laughs) And Terminator is male and it's evil. Right. So all the male ones tend to be evil and all the female ones tend to be friendly and helpful. So yeah. maybe there's a reflection of society in there. Somewhere yeah, I think you're right. Also. Yeah. Was it Superman that had the computer that came out? <laughs> uh, the Matrix. I think that was the Matrix, wasn't it? The ones. Anyway. Right. So when you have your AI personal assistant that helps you live your life and, and do everything for you, what are you going to name it? My other half's name's Lloyd. I'll call it Lloyd because... Yeah, I need Lloyd to do more in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so then it's male. <laughs> I have to call it Lloydette. <laughs> <laughs> Linda <laughs> or something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
All right. I like that. I have a new question this week as well. So uh, somebody mentioned this to me, and I think it's a really interesting thing to ask. So if you have a personal assistant and you're working with it all the time, yeah. at what point do you think you develop a relationship with it? Do you think it's, do you think it would be possible to develop a relation, a, a real relationship with a tool like that? And would you, like if your partner, if Lloyd had an AI assistant that was female mm. and he talked to it all the time and was messaging it all the time and was sharing stuff with it all the time, is there a point that you would think that this is inappropriate? I don't know. It's an interesting question about. It depends what he's asking it. It depends what he's asking it. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it, it yeah. depends what the conversation's about. But um, but still, it's yeah, it's an interesting. But, but does it? Yeah. I mean, it's it's just a program, right? Yeah. I don't know. See, this is the, yeah. the, it's an interesting question when you start to dig into it a little bit on the surface, it seems kind of shallow, Yeah. but if you think about it a little bit and you start to dig into it and then you start going, well, no, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter because it's a program. And then you go, but it depends on what conversation it's having. Yeah. And then you're like, well, okay. Well, it could be coaching them to do something, you know, it could who be, knows? It, and it, it yeah, we'd, you'd have to know the, <laughs> the like algorithm behind it, like who built it, because that's the problem, isn't it? It's whoever built it is the inputter that is still human. Well, I know it's learning, but it's yes learning no, from the but, data that's already yeah. out there. It's a it's a hard one. It is a tough one. Yeah, that's one to think about over the holidays or something. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's like. It was just kind of like, you know, at what point yeah. does it become a relationship with like a person? Well, it also like a little voice in your head, you know, like we have, yeah. you know, that Mildred or the, you know, the one that's the soups that lifts yeah. you and sort of believe kick ass. I think my friend Emma Harris calls kick ass. She's, she's a kick ass. So yeah. Do they become that, you know, but I do think there are a lot of humans that would not see the difference and would actually see them as a friend. And that's where, yeah, it could, and that's where it could get complicated because who's running that, who's behind that? Because there's always a route to the end result. Yeah, it's an interesting one to think about, mm -hmm. I think. So maybe we'll leave it there for the day. Yeah, amazing. Awesome. That was amazing. Thank you. Great conversation. I loved it. I love the stuff. I love the work that you're doing. I love all the things that, that you're up to. Let's stay in touch and hopefully I'll have you back on the podcast sometime soon and we can talk about some of the other programs that you're doing as well. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, we could get some of our girl rise on there as well, the girls. Let's do it. Mm. I would love that. Nice. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Lisa. Have a great weekend. You too. Thank you, David. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. The Creatives with AI Podcast. The spiritual home of creatives curious about AI and its role in their future. future.